welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Um, everyone, my name is C.J. Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, and the idea behind it is real rap is what my students refer to as real talk. So if they are talking to me privately about something, they will tell the rest of the students in the room, yo, uh, stay over there. I'm having real rap with Reynolds. So that's where the name comes from. Um, and Sunday nights come from teachers don't like Sunday nights. It's terrifying to think of what's coming up this week. And so try and like in like uh, inject a little bit of peace and harmony into people's lives on Sunday nights so that they can be ready for the week. And that's that. Uh, if this does not suit you, if you don't make it to the live feed, if you want to listen to it the next day, but you don't want to use up all your data on YouTube, my man Jake is going to turn this thing into a podcast by tomorrow morning. And that's how it goes out every week. You can hear anywhere that you can get podcasts, even places I've never even heard of. Jake has it happening. And then on Fridays, we have like this. Um, we used to do a show called Teacher Talk, which was me and some teacher either from YouTube or like a hero of mine that would come on and we would take questions together. And th the logistics of that are just like too much of a nightmare. That's why we really stopped doing it. Um, but you can go on there and see like all kinds of stuff from like Pocketful of Primary um, is on there. Who else did we do it with? Rafe Esquith was one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Miss May from One Fab Teacher, like all the YouTubers that, you know, were there from the start. Anyway, all that stuff exists. Anyway, my wife is still on the phone with Apple in our office. So I'm doing this by myself. I'm going to try to hit everyone's question. If I miss your question, I know that I'm just, I'm just out here alone this week. Um, I don't even have my proper seat or anything. It's a mess. I forgot to stand to the light ring. So like this side of my face is well lit. Then it's, I'm kind of like two face up in here. Um, so I'm going to jump right into these questions and that's it. That's it. Oh, oh, hey, thanks for my butt pad because I'm old and I have to sit on a pad because I'm like a 90-year-old and I have rain all over my shirt because it's pouring rain. Uh, so, oh, thanks for that, unicorns, That asking people to say question beforehand. And let's jump into questions. My director observations went well. Thank you for the advice. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad that that went well. Um, oh, Jay Billy's on here. Jay Billy is another Burgess writer. We were at the same conference this week. We got to speak at the NJPSA. It was it was literally the talk that had the most act like letters to it that I've ever spoken at, and it went really really well. I met like really great principals there. It was super awesome. It was really fun to meet you, man. Um, and I hope we see each other in San Diego this summer. Oh, okay. Here we go. Hot for teaching is asking, oh, it's moving. How do I deal with being pulled in a thousand different directions from administrators, co-teachers, and curriculum specialists? That's a great question. And so I think, gosh, the best way to deal with that is I just don't. I think that's <laughs> that. like, so there's two answers to this, right? It's either just don't. Um, and I realized, look, I, I let's talk about it anyway. Hopefully this doesn't use as evidence against me at some point. When people send me emails, I just don't answer them. Sometimes I delete them. And then I hope that if they answer, email me again, then I answer it. Or so I look, these are not professional answers. This is like how to keep yourself from drowning when it's like, it's like you're in water and all of a sudden everyone is climbing on you and it's like, I can't swim and hold everyone up. So I just got to shush some people off and then hope that they make it themselves. Um, I don't hand in all of my paperwork on time. I try and figure out what I think is the most important. So like this year for me, like handing in all of my special ed paperwork is really, really important. Um, and because it's dialed into like, so it's, it's being done a little bit differently this year. I like to make sure that that's done. Um, so answering like a questionnaire or like feedback from a professional development that we had, I don't always answer those or they're not at the top of my list because like parent communication is probably second under, under student, under special education. So like figuring out what is important and what's not. The other thing is I literally time myself and I'll say like, okay, I have 20 minutes to do this like this sort of email, like parent contact email. Then I have 20 minutes to do like this sort of log entry or 20 minutes to do this thing. 
So what it, the, the amount of time that you give it isn't really important. What you're doing is you are portioning out time that I'm doing nothing else. I'm not talking to someone. I'm not on my phone. I'm not half grading something. I'm not waiting for something to print. I'm literally doing a thing for a set amount of time. And I find that I get a lot of, of things done in that time. The beauty of it is because it's portioned out, I, I have a hard out. Like there's no more parent communication after that 20 minute window or 30 minute window or whatever it is. And then at the end of it, I always feel better because I got, I like knocked a bunch of those sort of things down. So they're not gone all the time, but they just feel better or I'm more organized. The th I think the third thing, extra credit here is uh, making a list. I love making lists. They really, really serve me well because then in my mind, when I have a whole ton of things to do, it's that's daunting. If I make a list, it's less daunting. The thing with a list is you got to keep it up. You got to go back and touch it again because otherwise, if it's it just becomes another list and then you have piles of lists, which is literally what I dealt with this morning. I sat here with like five different legal pads that I had lists started on and I went through all of them and made one giant master list, which was daunting and awesome at the same time. Um, let's see if I can get these in order. Uh, John Lopez. Oh, John Lopez, you just jumped away from me, man. Not really in real life, because that would be weird. But um, when former students get in touch with you, what are things that you say? What are things that they say to touch your heart? Um, I So, John Lopez, here's a funny story. Uh, you need me? No, but I'm not done. But I'm, I'm on hold for 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Wait. I'm glad to have you back. Thanks. Uh, you want to wave to everyone? I don't know if that's important to you. Um, so, I had a student... Post on Instagram. You're going to get me demonetized with that waiting music on there. Um, so they, someone reached out and put a post up that said something to the effect of, Mr. Reynolds told me my freshman year of, his, of English <clears throat> that I shouldn't wear sweatpants in public and I've never done it again. And then so, like 15 other students commented on that and were like, Oh my God, I got rid of all my sweatpants freshman year because Reynolds told me you lost your will to live if you go out in public with sweatpants on, which I really subscribe to. I think you've lost your will to live, <clears throat> especially if you go out in pajama pants. Um, but the the funny thing was you just don't know what sticks with students. I've had kids say things that I said jokingly that like stuck with them in a bad way. I've had, you know, and only a handful of those, maybe one or two times that someone said something about that. But most of the time, it is the offhand comments, but the fact that anyone remembers me at all or says that anything meant something to them or a class meant something to them or a talk that they had with me, like move them or change them, like that stuff really sticks with me. But I'll tell you, that sweatpants thing, man, I tell kids all the time, you wear sweatpants in public, probably means you lost your will to live. You're going to end up living on in your mom's basement, eating Funyuns, playing D&D &D next to the Christmas decorations. And, you know, you'll tell your girlfriend that it's, that it's your apartment, but it's really just your mom's basement. So that there's an answer that I'm not sure you were looking for. Um, advice for a para working with an autistic student in a chaotic classroom, Kimberly Walbeck. So Kimberly Walbeck, I think, gosh, that is, that's tough. Cause chaos and autism do not go together. Um, I had a student that, gosh, I don't want to tell this story was on the spectrum. I don't I don't know I, like I'm not sure like where where but like was on the spectrum and was in a very chaotic class my last period of the day. So every day eighth period dudes in my class it's madness and he would freak out. He didn't like th that that's how it went. I think if you can ask if that student can get moved to a calmer class, that's a possibility. Um so I've had students before were like Maybe my first period or my fourth period were really calm and really great classes. Um, I've had students moved before. And that's simply asking like, hey, I think it's a better fit for this particular student in, in this. It doesn't say anything about the teacher because sometimes madness is fun. Like sometimes my craziest classes are the best ones, but that's not a good fit for everyone. The other thing is I have gone so far as to let students know that are maybe making fun of a student like that, um, that they're off limits. And they're off limits, not because they're autistic or not because they have Asperger's or something like that. They're simply off limits because they don't have the wherewithal all the time to have a rebuttal. Like they don't see it as a joke. So they see it as getting their feelings hurt. And I see this with my son all the time. We're like, 
he will misinterpret a joke as someone bullying him. And so it's, it's important to like teach kids how to help one another, how to support one another, and to realize that, you know, your words, when you think you're just kidding around, like, or, or if you're just, if they're trying to be a jerk and you're trying to pull someone down, letting kids know that they have the power to lift someone up also. I don't think that kids know that all the time. I think we think they know stuff, but they just don't know stuff until we break it down for them. So there's certain kids that I've just like deemed off limits. And if you bother them, or if I find out something's going on, we're going to like take it to the full extent and like have a conversation with Miss Cho or with someone else in the office or have to make a phone call or a meeting with your parents. Like I'll go full tilt on that because what you're doing is protecting those students that don't have uh, the capability of protecting themselves in that particular way. Um, so I think that that's that, or I think really patting kids. Like I tell kids that need it, how awesome they are all the time, every day, no matter what. Um, Cause I think it, it builds that muscle of confidence in them. And then they're feeling stronger about themselves. So when they come into class, they're feeling better about it. So um, that's it. I hope that works. Uh, how I'm just now, I don't, I don't always get to read these things as I'm going through sitting here, procrastinating, putting off lesson planning. Um, just Google a lesson plan. That's what you should do. And then like sprinkle in your magic. Joshua Aguirre. Joshua, we'll go with Joshua. Uh, hello, CJ. My AP is doing a formal observation tomorrow. What are some tips to kill it? Josh, I think, isn't it so? I just heard this somewhere recently. When we want to do well, it's always like, I killed it. It was the bomb. I destroyed that audience. Like, it's never anything calm. It's always about destruction. Anyway, um, I think I would let them know what you're doing ahead of time. Then... I would be nor just go about your day normally. Like, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't point it out to the kids that someone's coming in. And then I, I think it's not in the actual lesson. I think it's in, I like leaning into the observation piece. So when they come and talk to you about it or they write something up and they, let's say they don't like something or they, they have a question about something. Oh, that's really great. That's really interesting that you didn't think that that was useful or meaningful or that I could have done it in a different way. How would you have done that? Or, um, I'm really interested on your point of view. Can you kind of like, like, I don't know, elongate your answer a little bit or like help me work that out or work it into my system. I, what you're doing there is you're not just taking the punch. You're sort of like dancing with the review. And so instead of being drug around by it, right, this is Tony, Ruff, Tony Robbins reference, but like, instead of kind of being pulled around by whatever, you just start moving with it and it becomes this kind of dance and I think that that is my number one piece of advice for observations because you you can't, there's no one size fits all for winning observations because they're all different. And the people that are observing you are different. When I worked in Camden, they had this guy observe me that literally shopped on eBay the whole time because I could read it. I could see it in his glasses and that's all he was doing was scrolling through eBay. He wasn't paying attention to my observation. Then he would check off all these boxes, write some totally generic thing at the bottom and it sucked. Then when I was in Philly, my then um, principal, Dr. Tennant, would come in, and Dr. Tennant is like the, the best. And he wrote this most thorough review of what he saw in my classroom. I like couldn't believe someone paid that close. I don't even think I paid that close attention to my class as he did. And it was really useful. Or now um, the gentleman that comes in to observe me, like he has – interesting things to say, but like, I like pushing back on it because I like finding out like, what do you mean by that? Or like asking other people that like, um, come in and observe me, like, what'd you think? Or like, what would you do about this? Or did you notice this? Or did you notice this kid? Like, what do you think I could do about this situation? Or where could I move them? Or do you think that, you know, the way I set up my vocab lesson is useful. I, that's how I think that you win in, in observations. Uh, Let's see. Kimberly Walbach just registered for Upgrade Ed. Thanks so much, man. Um, it's the conferences one. I think we did a really good job. There's B-roll in it this time and stuff. Like we're trying to like take the, for Upgrade Ed, which for those of you that don't know is my online professional development um, platform that I make with Michelle from Pocketful Primary and Bridget from Letter Classroom. And we're really trying to take into account what people are asking for and then implementing it into what we're doing. So it's the most useful thing that we can make for people. 
Uh, Kristen is asking, I had a weird assault situation in my classroom last Thursday. How do you talk to kids about issues like relationships and how can they, how they can get abusive and how to react, like how to stop it? Um, I don't know if I fully understand that. I had a weird assault situation in my classroom last Thursday. How do you talk to kids about issues like relationships? And so was there an assault in your classroom or was someone talking about getting assaulted? I would say either way. Look, I I get asked a lot and I'm making a video about this because I've been asked so many times um, about things like, and this is going a little sideways, but I think it's going to be pertinent to what you're asking about talking about race in the classroom. Like how do I, as a white man, talk about race in my classroom? For those of you that don't know my class, I think my school, the, the demographic is, I think we're 98 or 99% African-American in our school. And then there are no Caucasian students. It's, and there's like one Asian kid and like two Hispanic kids. And that might be it. Um, so how do I talk about that? How do I talk about when students get shot? How do I talk about school shootings? How do I talk about the suicide of a student? How do I talk about suicide in general? How do I talk about any of that stuff that comes up or is, or is asked of me. I simply facilitate the conversation. It is always how I do it. So I build relationships with students and then my classroom becomes a safe space where kids will share all kinds of crazy stuff with me. And the importance there is that you're just opening up the space for kids to be able to talk about stuff. It's really important, and I say this a lot in my videos and when I speak places, that your attention is more important than your advice. I do not have answers for what am I supposed to do if my friend gets commits suicide, right? Like, or my friend tried to commit suicide. I'm not sure what to do. The only thing I can say is I'm really sorry that that happened. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. And if I can ever talk to you about anything, I'm, I'm honored to do so. And then that's it. And then you provide the space and you check in with students. Hey man, just wondering how you're doing and how that thing is going on. How are there? And then ask leading questions because they might say, fine, I'm doing fine, or I'm doing better, or it's not that big of a deal. Um, how are their parents doing with this? How's your friend doing? Have you talked to them lately? Like, when's the last time you talked to them? In talking about stuff like this and opening up the space to be able to have the conversation, I think that's the best thing you could do. Like, um, Brene Brown would say that, like, sympathy is just noting that someone else is hurting. Like, it's like, you're hurting, you're depressed, you're sad, you're lonely. I, I can see that. Empathy is like sitting in the mud with someone. And I think that that is the best thing that you could do with students for anything. It's not about having answers. It's about creating space for students to work out their own stuff. If anyone's ever been to therapy or counseling, or I've went to spiritual direction for about a decade, um, very rarely did my spiritual director have like an answer for me. It was about me figuring, it was him helping me navigate the conversation so I could figure out what was right for me or what I felt like was was the right answer. So I think that's what you do. And if you have a, a follow-up here, like I'd be more than happy to like kind of map that out a little bit better. But I think that's that's it. Um Angela is asking, do you do you have flexibility with your curriculum or do you follow a certain scope and sequence? Nope. I have full autonomy in my classroom. Um the only thing I have to teach every year is Merchant of Venice or Merchant of Venice, and this year we're doing a new book, and I forget what it's called, but it's long, and it looks difficult, so stay tuned. Uh, but everything else, I pick what I want to do. Um, gosh, this keeps jumping around. I'm trying to stay, stay on target. Uh, I think question. Okay. I oh, my gosh. See, we try and go in order so that I make sure that everyone feels like cared for. Um, but then when the questions jump, it's hard to follow. So I think, okay, uh, T-B-A-W-I-F-Y. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Anyway, um, I teach French. The majority of my students have difficulties reading. High school students reading at second and third grade level, how do you address the difficulties at the high school level? So I get students every year that are dealing with the same sort of thing. Um, the way that I deal with that is by giving them books that are on their grade level. So like I find, if we're reading the Odyssey, I find versions of the Odyssey that are on a much lower reading level than, um, than a ninth grade reading level. So maybe sometimes they're like a graphic novel or something like that. 
The other way I deal with that is I think you can find things like if you use like Scholastic, like, and I have a partnership to be transparent with Scholastic. It's getting hot in here because it's late ring. Um, and I look like a sailor now. Uh, if you are on, go with Scholastic, you can change the Lexile level. I know you can do the same thing with, what's the other thing our school uses? Um, I know the New York Times, I think, can change some stuff like that too. So like, it's it's about like finding things that are appropriate grade level, but aren't kid-ish. So what you don't, you want like that, like high engagement, low level reading materials. Um, and a lot of places online now, if you find online resources, you can help students do that. I find the audiobooks help too, or reading podcasts. Like, so one of my experiments this year is like, um, has been this idea of like listening to part of a podcast and then reading the next part and then listening to the next part. And so when students are doing the reading, it's kind of filling in the gaps between the two parts that you're listening to. And if you find something that's really high level or, or really like, uh, interesting, then you'll find that students do the reading. So like I was speaking to someone at a conference the other day who listened to Serial with her high school students and they loved it. And so the reading part of it, the transcript part of it isn't very hard to do, but it's, you know, it's something that can be accessible to those students. Uh, I think that was appropriate. I'm really, I'm really floundering without the wife for life here. Uh Next question is Joshua Johnson, maybe. How do you get kids to listen to you? Like, do you like do you keep talking over them or do you clap your hands or just start talking? Uh, Josh, I do I start four, three, two, and you have to be quiet by the time I'm done. Sometimes it doesn't happen the first time. But what I want them to do eventually is cue into the sound of my voice. And if you hear my voice and you're not talking, and if you keep talking, then I call you out on it. I say, Sir, I need you to stop immediately because I'm talking right now. I need you to understand these directions so you know what's going on next. So hone in. Then once I get their attention, right, once I get them to be quiet, I say, listen to what I'm saying. I need you to hone in for 20 seconds and then you're going to start working on this. So that's what I like. So even if you're having a really hard time not talking, I want you to pretend you fell in some water and you can't breathe and you have to hold your breath for 20 seconds because everybody can hold their breath for 20 seconds. Now do it. Um, and that doesn't mean kids have to actually hold their breath, but it's letting them know that there's an out, that I'm not going to ramble on, that I'm not standing up here lecturing. I'm literally asking for 20 seconds or a minute or two minutes or five minutes or whatever it is, but they have an end point in mind. And so that helps students to want to listen to you because they know it's only going to happen during that time. If you don't listen to my directions and you don't know what's going on, I do not repeat them to you. You have to go ask a friend what's going on. And, and that is followed up, to be honest, it's followed up with if a kid is crushed because now he doesn't know the directions and he doesn't know what's going on, I go over and I say, do you understand why I do this? I only do this because I need everyone to be listening. And when you're talking, when I'm trying to give directions, what you're doing is you're, you're whether it's intentional or, or unintentional, you're telling everyone else in the classroom that you don't care that they can't pay attention because what you're doing right now is more important than what everyone else is doing. So I need you to just hone in. If you're in the middle of a conversation, if you're thinking about something, just hold on. You can continue it in a moment, but I need you to just pay attention while I'm giving the directions. Do you understand? Everyone always understands and we move on from there. But, um, you know, the, I say the only other thing that I think is really awesome that I've never done, but my friend Megan at Too Cool for Middle School does is she has a wireless uh, doorbell in her classroom where it's just up by her board. She pushes it. And when it ding dongs, everyone knows that they have to get quiet and pay attention to her for a moment. And I just think that that's awesome. Um, Will Wolanta, I think I'm saying that right. When did you decide that you wanted to be a teacher? So lucky for you, I have several videos about this. Um, and I think one of them was like two videos a day ago. I didn't know I wanted to teach till after college or almost the end of college. So I started going to college late. I waited a year because I worked at a gas station for a year. And nothing will make you rethink your priorities like pumping gas in New Jersey in February. So I went back to college. It took me a long time because I was a terrible student. And I had to learn how to learn and learn how, all, how to be a student. So I go back to school and then... I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I graduated an English degree, which I quickly realized was good for exactly zero things. And then that, that, that related to me anyway. And so I went 
back to school for education. And then that's when it was, but it was like my wife or my aunt brought it up and they said like, you should be a teacher. And then that's what I did. I was a teacher after that. And it was awesome. I'm trying not to read anything that doesn't have a question mark. So I don't get sidetracked here. Scott is asking, uh, how do you encourage kids that are prone to complain or whine about most things, big or small? Scott, I think, look, there's no golden ticket for this, man. Like I have kids um, that still just hate my class like all the time. And it's like, no matter what, like I could literally set my hair on fire and kids would be like, and what else you got? It's like, I can't compete with that all the time. What I'm looking for is the critical mass. I'm looking for the majority of students to buy into what we're doing. And if someone else doesn't want to, it's like, I can only go so far. And there are a lot of steps that I take and I don't make that decision lightly, but I always let them know, bro, when you want to wake up, when you want to do the work, I'm here. And and so, like, just know that that I'm I'm here whenever you need me. Um, kids that complain a lot, I just ask them like, well, what would you want to do then? Like, what? Wh- and, and maybe don't don't ask like that. It's all about tone. It's interesting that you don't like that I came up with this. Like, it took me a long time, and I want you to know I really thought about it, and I thought this would be something you were interested in. What do you think is a better idea? So we have to be here anyway. Like, we're we're in this classroom anyway, like it or not. How do we make it the best for you? And I think that that is the conversation to have with students and and then helping them realize like, what do you want out of life? Like if you can reverse engineer what you want to be and then see how this class fits into it. Like if you want to be a doctor or a nurse or go into the military or whatever it is, how might this class serve you? And maybe, maybe there's a direct correlation, like your reading and writing and math skills are actually needed in that position that you want, but maybe they're not. And even if they're not, then this just becomes a game, bro. So you have like you're you're playing a game right now where you're doing the thing you don't want to do, but everyone has to. You don't get abs unless you do sit-ups, man. So like sometimes, you know, you have to do this hard work to get the thing that you want in life. And that's how I kind of break it down. Do you feel valued at your school? Um yes. Short answer, yes. Uh, and that's a really big deal. I did not feel valued at my old school and this school. I feel, I do feel that. Um, and, and I had to think about that because like, uh, like, do I always feel valued? Um, and I think, I think even people that have an issue with who I am and how I get down with things like still value me as a teacher. Um, I think we can get past that. What's wrong with D and D bill. Nothing's wrong with D and D, but I'm thinking I have this I have this thing in my head, right? Of like, do so. My friend Randy is a big Randy Rebuy. You can look him up on Amazon. He writes really great books. Randy still plays D and D. He's in his 30s, and he's like a healthy, normal human being. Like he went to Harvard and got his master's, and he wrote really great books that are like up for awards this year and stuff. And he plays D and D. I still tease him about it because to me, it just sounds like a kid thing, right? He also plays board games. I just like board games. Um, but there is there, other people I know that play D and D. There's it it's always seems synonymous in my head with like eating funyuns and having sword collections and maybe a ferret for a pet. Like so that's that's what's in my head. I was, I have zero against D and D. It's not my jam, but you know a lot of things aren't. So that's that's all I'm coming from with that. The the Dane the Dane Man Train. Am I saying that right? That's. I don't, I don't know how, if I'm saying that right. But anyway, question, I'm a first year teacher and I struggle with classroom management. I teach eighth grade English on a scripted curriculum. Yeah, man, I, the, my students are extremely defiant and disrespectful. What could I do? Uh, the name is Dane, by the way. Okay, Dane. So uh, that, that is a hilarious thing. Um, Dane, I would say a couple of things. One, I'm going to recommend that you join the Facebook group if you're not already a part of it. Facebook group is Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. Um. And you'll find other people like Rachel, who just said that she teaches middle school also. What you're going to do there is you're going to find other people that are in the same situation as you, that you build relationships with, and then they become your um, out-of-school help with people. I think the other thing you do is it's – it is listen, man, it's a first – being first year is tough, and it's tough because depending on the school you're teaching in – not all students are just going to take you seriously right away, right? Like they they need you to build a relationship so that they can trust you. And is that the way it should be? Like, I'm not here to answer 
that because and I, I'm saying that because I get that question a lot where people are like, well, students just should re- like respect their teachers. And it's like, yeah, people should do a lot of stuff, like not throw trash on the ground either, but they do it. Um, I, I think it's once you build those relationships, you'll find that you are connecting with students more and that they will go along with whatever it is that you're doing. I think sometimes also like scripted curriculum is tough because you don't have room to move and really I wonder I'm wondering how much room you have to like implement anything that anyone would like. But if you don't, I think there's still things you can do. It's hard for me to communicate here, but like I still think there are things you can do to make class better. Like when you are reading, I play music behind what we're reading. If we are playing uh, or doing an assignment together, like trying to make it competitive on some level because students will are far more like prone to do competitive stuff. Um, I think changing what's up, my dude, uh, changing the way that you're doing talking to Dane right now. He's having trouble in his class. Are you, you going to keep Fortnite dancing? No. What do you do if people, kids are being bad in your class? What do you think you should do? What's give, a, no, give, give me a serious answer, not okay. one you're crazy. Answer. I was going to say, give him a whoopoon. All right, you can't do that anymore. Okay. It's not the 1800. I would say, hey, if you be good, I'll give you a piece of candy. Bribery. Oh, bribery? Bribery works. What about you? What do you think? Uh, Candy or I don't know. Or if you be bad... I'll give you extra work. And if oh. you don't do that extra work, if you do a you good go job, I'll give you, get, I'll give you, you, you get two um, more pieces, but if you don't do that, then you go to tension. Okay. You know? get I, I All right. Know. Good answers, everyone. Bye. So I think those are your answers. So um, other than that, that's what, that's what I'm just thinking. And look, the be, the more you get... All right, I need to... Okay. okay. I was just doing one last thing. I love you, though. Just to show your fans how awesome Everyone already knows you're awesome. Peace. I appreciate you, bro. Um, I think it really comes down to the the fact that, look, any any teacher that's been around for more than five minutes will tell you that there's only a handful of types of students in the world. And once you start figuring out what those behaviors are and then you start noticing from the jump, you start getting ahead of them. So next year, you'll have kids that come in and they're doing the same thing that last year's kids were doing. And you can lament about that. or You can say, oh, oh, you're that guy. You're the I can't stop talking guy. So we need to move your seat. You are the um, super like rambunctious ADHD kid. And we need to have a stand up desk in the back and some silly putty for you to play with. Um, Oh, you're super sleepy kid that like doesn't want to do work and hates everything and doesn't care about school. Like there's ways to deal with you as well. So once you start noting these things, it's not like they go away, but you just get better at dealing with these isolated behaviors and then you just get better. So it's sometimes it's really about like getting through the year and trying a bunch of stuff and seeing what works and what works for your personality and then what doesn't work. And I think that that's where you're really going to find success. Um, Question from Panda Cheese. How did you come up with that name? That's what I want to know. Um, that's I, everyone loves pandas, and I really love cheese. So, what do you think are some deciding factors on what grade level someone should teach? That's a really great question. I would, um, I think. What kind of kids do you gravitate towards naturally? Which is a weird sounding question, but I know that I really like all ages of students, right? So like even when I was like growing up, like kids have always sort of like been sort of drawn to me. I've talked about this in a ton of videos where like I'm in Home Depot or the food store or wherever and little kids just talk to me all the time. Happens in my life. The other thing is um, the reason I stuck with high school was I felt like Ninth grade was when I really started to become who I was going to become in life, right? So I started like, like, that's why, like, you're trying to figure out power, you're trying to figure out what's important to you, you're trying to figure out like all kinds of stuff like that. And like, you are pushing back against your parents and trying to find your voice. And I wanted to be a part of that 
in helping students have someone to bounce those ideas off or have a way to direct that energy because I feel like it's a tricky space. And look, it's signing up for madness is what it is. But that that's why I, I went with that age. I would say maybe try tutoring or maybe try doing observations of a lot of different types of classrooms so you can see if you can see yourself in that space um, and talking to those students. Hey, Jenny, yeah. I need the plug for the... Oh, hold on one second, everybody. Batter's going to die. We're a crack team tonight. First of and all, first of all, I still got pajama pants yeah. on right now. That's what I'm saying. That's how long I've been sitting at the computer doing work today. Hurry up, I don't want to die. And then I lose the whole feed. And then Jake has to make two podcasts. And I don't want him to do that because he's trying to be a husband and a teacher in the first year and a homeowner. So Jake just said, let me do all the new things at once this year. Got it? I think so. Let's check. We got it. Good work. Awesome. Um, so that was my answer, Panda Cheese. Um, that's someone's name. Isn't that awesome? It's not that. It is. It says Panda Cheese. I think that was a real name. Uh, Alicaster is asking, I'm a, I'm a male teacher at our school, and I, and you can't carry around backpacks. We have two hall passes, one for lockers, one for bathrooms. Some of my girl students get scared to ask for both. Um, to get feminine items, ideas. Oh my gosh, what the hell would you tell them? Wait, so say that. Can't carry around a backpack. So if you need like your lady products, you, okay. you can't carry them like in your backpack. And if you need to go to the bathroom and your locker. It's two different passes. Yeah. Mean? And they don't want to ask for both because then everyone's going to know they're getting like a tampon out of their locker or something like that. Oh God. I mean, they make them small enough now that they're like half the size that they used to be. Yeah. And they make them specifically because they can fit in a pocket or hold in a hand. Like they, the girls aren't allowed to wear, carry a purse. No, no backpacks. So I guess usually the exception to that is always for women for purses. Gosh, I would say. Look, here, here's what I would do. I don't, I don't I, first of all, I would tell your school, I'd be like, we need to address this situation. Yeah, that's not fair. Two, I would just give them the bathroom or the locker pass and just say, go or write them a pass out and say, yo, look, if you really need that situation, like, like just take one. And then if they ask, if, if a security officer or someone in the hallway asks, say, Reynolds told me I could do both. Um, and that's all they have to say. They don't have to explain why or anything like that. If someone comes to you, then you break it down. Look, this is the situation right now. And like, I didn't want to embarrass her in front of the whole class. Like they should just go to do, just grab the whatever, whichever one, and then go do both things. And I tell my students this all the time. I say, look, I, I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. That's what my mom always told me growing up and it works. Like if I find out that you're screwing around, that you're in the hallway, that you're doing something else, I'm going to be less likely to trust you next time. So be mindful of that because this is an important situation. I don't want you to have like an accident in class. But I would just give them the one and to say, if you walk, if you walk with purpose towards anything, you get into all kinds of situations. My wife and I have gotten into all kinds of crazy situations or places or or whatever because we just walked like we owned the joint and like we were supposed to be there. So that's how you should carry yourself and then you get away with it and then it's not a big deal and that's how you handle it. Um, that's a really great question though. Thank you, Christina Gonzalez. I had a student named Christina Gonzalez and I don't know that that's you, but that's awesome. Um, Anna Pappas is asking, how did you get your students to like reading and read outside of school? So I don't always, but I try. And the kids that I win with, I think it is about one, providing space, quiet time and space to read. So like, Every Wednesday for 20 minutes in class, we read quietly. I read with my students. That is key. You cannot be doing other work, grading and getting stuff done. Modeling what I try to model what I want to do. Um, my friend, Jen Jones, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you should absolutely follow Jen Jones. Uh, Jen Jones says you need to be a book pusher. So you're always talking about books, always talking about whatever you're reading. So whatever I'm reading, I'm just like, yo, I'm reading this book and this book and this book right now. This is what you should be reading also. And this will like, this is why I'm reading it. And this is why I'm excited. When we sit down to read every day, I hold my book up and I say, yo, right now, uh, I think last week I was reading Cesar Milan's new book. Cause I'm real into that dude for some reason, all of a sudden, um, I hold up his book and I go, 
does anyone know who this guy is? All right, he has this crazy idea where this, this, or this is going to happen. I need to find out. So I need you to really pay attention and not distract me this week. Be focused in on your book because I want to see what happens. And then at the end of our reading time, I go, all right, bro, you're not even going to believe what just happened. So it's like building this sort of excitement for students. The other thing I do is ask students to read parts of books. So if I have a kid that's not a really like doesn't love reading, I will say something like, yo, you need to read chapter seven of this book. So last year, I don't even know if I have it here. There's a book called by this guy, David Goggins called, I forget. Um, but if you look up David Goggins, it'll be in there. David Goggins ran a hundred mile race um, when he'd never run even a marathon before in his life. And when he did it, he got, I think, I don't know what he, I think he like broke the bones in his feet or his legs or something like that. So he ended up like taping up his feet with duct tape. Then at one point he sits in a, in a lawn chair and he craps himself because he can't get up to use the bathroom. He's so exhausted, but he then still finishes the race after he pooped his pants. And that is like a level of mental toughness that I cannot even fathom. So I tell my guys about this. I'm like, yo, you have to, you're not even going to believe how he finishes this race. So they read it. And then I had to buy four more of that book last year because now everybody wants to read it because they read that crazy part in the thing. So that it's, it's doing stuff like that, that helps students. The, the last piece of advice I give for that in how to get students to want to read is remembering that, that reading has to be a mirror and a bridge, right? So you are seeing yourself in what you're reading. Are you being inclusive in your classroom library? The other thing is, is the bridge is getting you from, I believe this, to now I'm thinking, believing, considering this. It's moving your, your person forward. And so that that's really important too. Um, I'm looking for another question. Did you just go, are you going random today? There's ton. No, I'm trying to follow them in order. Uh, I see a lot of really great responses to the uh, feminine hygiene product question, though. Pencil case, someone said. That's a great idea. Good work, Erica Whitechurch. Um, follow. Oh, follow up. Panda Cheese said, follow up. I got the name from a funny series of commercials. You can search Panda Cheese commercials on YouTube. 100% going to do that now. Uh, Vicky is asking, how do you address older staff on making sure that they're modifying consistently for their kiddos with IEPs? Look, oh gosh, this is such a Further good question. Down, she said that she gets told to just let them be because they're going to retire soon. All right, so Vicky, no, don't let them be. That's a stupid idea. Um, I think it is incredible how little schools actually take care of IEP students as a whole. I'm not saying every school. I know that there's schools that do a really wonderful job. I've been to them. I've met those people. I've like in, interacted with them. But it's also about holding people accountable for the students. Don't let those – those folks' jobs shouldn't be easier because kids will suffer, right? So it's about, I think – modeling for them what you need to see and maybe i think sometimes the, the iep process is like more difficult than it needs to be because it's not about helping students it's about covering asses so like in helping them really see what needs to be done so i know that um miss yonkers the head of our special ed department is like willing to actually sit down with people and say like here's how i would do this or here's how this needs to be done or um and and i think that that really helps as well so that's that's what i would do is is model that for them and just be relentless and pushing back. I, you know, I think I just want to say again, like I would not let anybody go because they're about to retire because it's the kids that are hurting. And it's asking these folks that are probably been handling this things the same way that probably half the things that are in IEPs or half the things that are in special education weren't even a thing when they started teaching. So they don't really consider it, but I, you know, it's not like when my grandmother um, gosh, I don't really want to throw my grandmother under the bus, but like one time my grandmother would say like these, like not even well-meaning. She would say like, like racist stuff sometimes that was like not meant to hurt anyone, but she would just say things that's like, Graham, it's not 1955 anymore. Like you can't say that. And so I would say something to her, but I'm not going to like not talk to her anymore. Like it's about helping people see 
what is wrong with what they're doing and how they can change it or modify it. That's all I'm saying. It's not about like overtly calling someone out or like crushing them. Um, but if the children are the people that really need to get the help, then that that's what you have to make sure that they're getting. Um, I feel like that was a really weird example that I just used and I could have a hundred percent done a better job of thinking of something better. Um, my buddy, the diary of a mad black teacher. Um, how do you, Oh gosh, your question just disappeared. Hold on. How do you get along with your lead teacher when she has made it clear that your comments about work upset her? She literally asked me not to say anything anymore. <laughs> From knowing you a little bit, I can see how someone would misconstrue your constructive criticism for just dogging the school, right? Like, and I feel like that's what you're saying. Um, I, I mean, if you don't have to tell them, maybe you find a different audience, but if it is someone that is ha like you're having a specific issue, you need them to address it. I find that writing things down, emailing someone, writing them a note works better. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, growing up with a lot of friends whose parents were alcoholics or drug addicts, um, they would find that like, you can't talk to your dad if he's drunk, right? Like he's just not going to hear you and there's not going to be like a good conversation about it. But what you can do is have a conversation that like where you're writing something down because then they can read it and read it again and read it again and read it again. And it's not lost in translation. It's not lost in the moment. You're not getting all fired up and, 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 and trying to go full force at them. Um, but it's written. And I think sometimes that's good. It also creates a paper trail. So like, God forbid you need to take it to administration at some point or whatever it is like, here's my very clear correspondence with this individual. And so this thing isn't happening. And you can see that I've been emailing them since this point, and I'm not sure what to do now. That's there too, and that can help. Um, so that's what I would do. But gosh, that's a tricky one, man. Because I, I, I think that that conversation would warrant a little bit more of, a, of an actual conversation of knowing like what's going on, what's being said, how you should handle it, that kind of thing. So it's it's tricky. Um, but that's the best I got. Uh, I like you though, so and I would listen to your stuff. What am I writing? Now? Did you use this one? I did. It's just not bad. Uh, where's my phone? It's in my it's in my notes. notes. Uh, gosh, this is babe. This is a real. Uh, we're really doing a great job here tonight. I'm actually I'm actually doing like a pretty good job here. I think I'm. I think I'm hitting all the questions. I think. Uh, any advice for art teachers? Ready Player One. First of all, great movie, great book. Um in general advice for art teachers i would I, I don't know um oh gosh here's what i think about art teachers i think art teachers get a raw deal a lot of times in a lot of schools because they're thought of as like an extra class it's like a nice to have but not a necessity and i think creativity is a necessity and i think if you listen to any podcast that has chase jarvis on it lately um or read chase jarvis's new book Chase Jarvis is talking about um, that exact thing, that creativity is a necessity and not a nice to have. And when you can get students to look at it through that, what what is it for or what? I guess it's for whatever the one that-, that oh, I'm sorry, everyone. Connected to for, it's the CJ and Jenna at gmail.com, but like that- email, email? No, but what's the password to that? To the email? I guess it's the app. <laughs> what is it oh. for? The Apple ID. Oh, okay. oh, it's for the Apple ID. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize sorry. someone was on here. Um, let's see. I'm really sorry, everybody that's here watching. And we have an edit. Does this he know that this day. is going on? Yeah, he does. All right. Um, there it is. Okay. Fin like fill in the blanks. I didn't put the whole thing yeah. in there. All right. So. All right. Gosh, this is such a weird one. Um, I So I, I think that's what I would think of. I'd also check out um, 
for inspiration, there is a guy named Phil Hansen, and he has a YouTube channel called Phil in the Circle. Look at his art and then watch his TED Talk, Phil Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N. Um, really, really, really great stuff. I show it to my students every single year, and I think that it's a really great way to kind of like, I think that is the best advice that I can give an art teacher is to watch those things. Um, questions, questions, questions. Is a oh it just jumped. Um snap. Is a Isabel? Is a I think that's right. Oh, gosh, I'm so bad at saying names. I really apologize. It's not you, it's it's my inability. Um, any tips on getting my teaching view through the experienced staff in my school? When I tell them my ideas, they say, Oh, you're new, you just don't know. Yet look, it's always gonna be that mixture of stuff. And so <clears throat> when I think back to my first few years of teaching, there were ideas that someone would be like, this is a total waste of time or you're not gonna be able to do that. And you know, they were right. And then there were other times where they were frigging wrong and I kicked ass and it was awesome. So I think what you need to do is own you, what you're not trying to do. Like, look, this is important. Do not wait to be the teacher you always wanted to be or the teacher you needed when you were young. That should be your primary concern when you start teaching. And so when you teach out of that space, it's important to not expect failure, but be ready for failure. And then when you fail, to learn from your failure. This isn't a job where we're trying to all like not fail. I had a project last week. It sucked. It just went totally sideways. Um, it went good for a minute. Some kids did better and some kids just didn't do anything and just were at the end of the week. We're like, wait, we had turned, we had turned that in, bro. What'd you think we were doing for three days? Like, you know, have just nothing like whatever we wanted choose your own adventure. So I think it comes down to being ready to fail and then not paying attention to everyone else when you fail. But like, I would try to find, I wouldn't share my ideas with those types of people anymore. I would share my ideas with people that were creative, people that were excited, people that are trying to do good work. And maybe that is people that are in your school and maybe they're not. Maybe they're, I find most of my inspiration for the stuff that I do are people I know online, either through Facebook or Instagram, people that I text with. So like um, some of my friends that I find are really creative are like my friend Adam Welcome that wrote Kids Deserve It or um, my friend Alex Kajitani or uh, like Michelle and Bridget, like bouncing ideas off of people that I think are really operating on some next level stuff. Like you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. So make those people, people that are excited, people that are pushing you, people that aren't, aren't afraid to go, that's not a good idea, but this is why I think that it's not a good idea. But they're not doing it out of a place of safety. They're doing it out of a place of like um, trying to, to, to push you and motivate you and make your your job and and the work that you do even better. So that's that's what I would just be mindful of there. Um, any Ibrahim, that's an awesome way to spell your name, and, I've, and I'm hoping I say it right, but I've never seen it spelled like that before. Uh, teaching for the first time in a year, student teacher. How do I jump back in? I think. Get started with kids, like find students that need to know that, that someone sees them and let them know that they're seen. There are tons of schools out there where there are students that are just flying under the radar. No one sees them there. When you go to school, if tomorrow's your first day, find someone that thinks that they're alone and let them know that they're not. And then you build from there. And then just in doing that, you'll start gauging like what's important in the school. What are kids like? What are they interested in? And then you can make your lessons through that that lens and then that's how you win that situation um ba bauer l9 i'm not really sure how to say that name either gosh i'm really i'm winning i'm winning on every level right now uh volunteer english teacher in a spanish-speaking country awesome respected program but i didn't go to school for education i find myself desperate to learn and teach while learn to teach while i'm actually teaching advice Teaching is always overcomplicated. All you're trying to do. So you could try and think about like all the different ways that there are to actually teach. Or, I mean, and you might be too young for this, but there was a show MacGyver when I was a kid. And MacGyver would be in these tricky situations and he would have to figure out what to do, how to fix a car or an airplane or make a parachute out of like a balloon, a vacuum cleaner hose and a paintbrush or something like that. 
I think teaching can be MacGyvered. I think if you know where you are, you have a sense of where your student is and a sense of where you need them to get, all you have to think about is how do I get them from here to here? That's it. To hell with standards, to hell with, with, with lesson plans and all that stuff. How do I get a kid from here to here? Because standards and lesson plans and curriculum and all that stuff really just should be sort of like a map or, or a series of suggestions of how you go from here to here. But if you didn't have that, if you never learned how to teach, then that's all your mindset should be is where are we? Where are we going? How do I get from here to here? Look, I don't know how to, to, I couldn't be like a personal trainer, but if somebody wanted to learn how to run a little bit better, I could probably figure out how to help them run. If they like, I don't have big muscles, but I could probably figure out a way to help someone get big muscles or to be healthier or to raise a child. I'm not an expert at any of those things, but I've done enough stuff in my life to show how you can get from one place to the next and the next and the next. And you've had enough schooling to know, like to pull from those experiences. That's all you have to think about. Just take it easy on yourself, be kind to yourself and figure out how to get from one point to the next. And that's it. Um, great question. And good luck uh, teaching in another country. That's awesome. Um, oh, it's jumping again, jumping all over the place. Uh, I think, Think I think I didn't miss anyone. I think this next one, uh, Sarah Busey, is that the Sarah that I know from Instagram? Uh, <clears throat> Kent State, I think it was. Hey CJ, I'm struggling with my first year as well, and knew it would be the person to come to. How do you keep yourself excited about teaching even on the toughest days when nothing goes right? Sarah, I would say a couple of things. One, um, be kind to yourself you're not in complete control of this whole thing. You are not captaining, captaining a ship. Um, you are, it's like herding sheep. Some of the sheep don't want to follow the shepherd. They just go off in the distance and get lost in the bushes and stuff like that. And um, I, I think it is one, remembering that this is a craft, that, you're, that you are learning something. So Next year, I think my new plan is, so I've been running every day for a year. Today's going to be 312, and now that stopped raining outside, I think I can run tonight. Um, next year, I think I'm going to learn how to play piano, right? So this is, I'll play piano every single day for a year. The idea, the reason I want to do that is because it's been a while since I've had to really learn how to do something, and I want to just tap back into that. And so, but I know even going into it that if I'm not good in a week or a month or two months or six months, it's because it takes time. It's a skill that is gathered over time. And teaching is the same thing. I think you try to figure out very clearly what you want to get better at, right? And then very specifically, it can't just be classroom management, right? It's too big of an issue sometimes. But you can say, can I get my students under control or, or on task, rather than under control, like they're a bunch of wild animals or something, but like on task within the first 60 seconds of class. That is your challenge for yourself. And then dig in like it matters. Like you, that is the only thing that matters. And then when you win, when you get that locked down, what's the next thing you're going to do? Like, how do I get students to how many students are passing and how many students are failing? And how do I even that out and, and then reverse it eventually? How do I get kids to hand in homework? It's about asking these very cued in questions and not looking at it like, the the giant disaster that it could be like my house is not very neat right now my wife doesn't like when i talk about that but um there's a lot of arts and craft stuff there's like this kind of thing there's a lot of this going on in my life right now right we're, we're making something out of something else and whatever else and so this is like my whole house right now it's like all this crap is around me right i could look at all this and it can become very overwhelming to me but what i do instead is look at one spot at a time and clean it up. And that's the same thing with teaching. Um, Sarah, if you want to do a phone call, because I know you already, uh, you can hit me up and just email me and we can schedule something if you want to talk about it. And then if you want to do mentoring from there, I mean, I offer mentoring also, um, but I'd be happy to do like a call with you to, to help you out. Um, and so just let me know. Uh, Ready Player One, when student has... A oh, snap, it just jumped again. 
When a student has a serious amount of energy that excites, distracts from others, any methods for keeping them engaged and focused, fun games to tire them out, let them know to get out extra energy. I make kids do push-ups. Um, I'm really thinking, so I have talks with kids. I um, will give them manipulatives in class. I have standing desks in class. And sometimes it's not enough. So sometimes, right, this is weird say i need you to go to this teacher to get something and it's minutes right do not mess around i need whatever the time frame is i don't know how big your school is um that teacher knows because i shoot him a text yo so-and-so is on their way to you tell them you don't have it this is all you have to say i don't have it it's in miss so-and-so's room which is on the other side of the school and then let them know that i still need them back in a, in like this amount of time right so that we're not just wandering around then they go to another class and then they come, I text that teacher. And sometimes these teachers know already. So it's not like a big, like long me sitting there texting and trying to coordinate stuff while I'm teaching class. It's, they already know the gig. You'll go get my stapler is code for this dude needs to take a walk and need something to do. So you go all the way to the third floor of my school and then all the way down to the basement of my school and then back to my classroom. That's like a good walk. And it takes about five minutes or so. And now that student got some of that out and they're more ready to participate. I think that that's like a really fun way to kind of do it. Um, when I was in high school, they used to send us to look for left-handed staplers. And that was, well, it wasn't very nice because those things don't exist, people. Um, or plywood stretchers when I had uh, wood shop. Jessica Clark is saying, I'm a third year. I'm in my third year as an 11th grade English teacher, and I feel like I have so much grading all the time. Any tips on how to manage my grading? I just want to have a life outside of school. Jessica, I would say, one, I have a grading um, video, like five tips to like more productive grading or something like that. That's worth checking out. I think also using apps like ZipGrader. I'm not affiliated with them. It's just the one that I choose to use. Bars. Um, ZipGrader is a way to grade at least the multiple choice section because that's like like a robot could do that and then you do the written portion. Um, I think remembering that you don't have to grade everything. Like I just like grade for completion sometimes. And I realize like being an 11th grade English teacher, that's not as easy, but that's what I do. I have my friend, Jen, who's our senior English teacher is creating it something now where it's like a rubric to grade all of her 12th graders writing and it's like, these are the very specific things I'm looking for. And then, so the kids know like what her codes are on there, like what her shorthand is for stuff and um, how they need to dial that in a little bit better. That helps as well. I think um, not grading stuff sometimes. Sometimes kids hand things in and I know that you learned it or didn't learn it. It's just not worth my grading. It's if you did it, you get a hundred. If you didn't do it, you got a zero. And then I throw them in the trash and I don't have to worry about them. Not everything needs to be great. This is a myth, right? The reason we have points is not to just show students like that they've grown or what they are, or what they're doing. It's so the kids can like play this game of points. And so I'm not, I'm always interested in that game of like, like learning shouldn't be for points. And I, I get, like, I'm not trying to get into that whole conversation right now, but what I'm, I'm trying to say is like, just remembering that like, not everything needs to be graded is okay. Uh, or, not giving as much stuff each week to grade. So like I try to be very mindful that like there's something to grade on Tuesdays or something to grade on Thursdays. And, and I have an assessment on Fridays that I have to grade. And then how am I going to get through those things? That's it. You got three grades a week plus a uh, classwork grade. And so you have four grades a week. That's it. Um, unless there's extenuating circumstances or some kind of extra homework or something like that. But that's it. And then dial it in from there. So I think that that's, that's a little bit of what I would do. Uh, almost done here because I got to go help my wife figure out this computer thing. Um, that new teacher is saying, how do you manage grading your daily journals? I have similar bell work activity. The grading is overwhelming. Okay. I only grade them uh, once every six weeks, something like that. Like we have trimesters. So it's typically somewhere around mid trimester right before progress reports go out. I will grade them. And then it is I have a rubric that's really like dialed in from like, is it laid out the right way? Does it meet the minimum number of sentences? If it doesn't, if it's not line, lined up the right way and doesn't meet the minimum, I don't grade it because um, it's the minimum cost of entry. I tell my students, if a product costs, costs $5 and you have $450, you don't get to pay for it and no one wants to have the conversation with you. Um, 
And then after that, I'm only looking for, I know what I'm looking for, right? Am I looking for complex, complex sentence structure in, in, a, in a writing piece? Am I looking for the correct word usage of the B verb or for the vocab words that I asked for? Whatever it is that I'm looking for, that's what I'm looking for for that time. And then I just go through with the rubric and I'm able to grade it and that's it. And then I parcel those up. So I'll do like only 10 at a time or 20 at a time or whatever it is, or I'll do 30 minutes at a time. And so that helps me to move through that. And I'm not grading them every day and I'm only touching them once and then giving them back to the student. And so that's how I best get through that. Um, now this is glitching. Um, did we get sick days at all this year or did I, wait, what's that? Or you ran while you were sick, zero. I don't know what's being asked. I don't know if that's to me. Um, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, this is going to be my last question so I can feed my children and help my wife with this computer problem. Um, Janet Roberts is asking, how do I work on my communication skills with my students? I always try my best to connect with them, but I've been getting reviews back lately that I don't seem fully engaged with them. Any advice? I, I think... The number one thing that I've seen people to kind of do wrong, and I know this with teachers that I worked with, like in person and people that I've just known, is when you're talking to someone, I think the two best things you can do is one, stop what you're doing. And if you're not prepared to do that, then tell them they have to come back later, but stopping what you're doing so you can listen to them. And so when a kid comes in to talk to me, if they go, Reynolds, do you have a minute? Of course. What's up, man? And then I just stop what I'm doing and I look like I want to listen to you, not like um, I'm doing something and I'm like, yeah, what's up? What's going on? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm listening. Because it's like Ron Swanson says, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And so dial into what you're trying to say to someone. The second part is, is repeating back. This is like marriage counseling 101. Someone says something to you, and then when you hear them, you say, Okay, so what I'm hearing is, and then you repeat back to them. It's just active listening skill that shows that you're paying attention to what they're saying. So that's what I would do as well um, is to help people in that kind of situation. Um, and that's it. Gang, look, a couple things before you leave. One, I think. But I just made it. Can I show the uh, what? But I just made it. You just made it here? Yeah, my call is finally done. Is the computer fixed? Oh, no. We're going to get, I get a call back on Tuesday. They had to like capture files of all of our stuff oh right? my gosh to get sent to apple he said there's only five people in the world that have reported this problem since the update well you want to be the best i don't know if that means i'm the best we're special that's do i get sure. some kind of special <laughs> attention do i get like a private apple care person yeah he's yeah Devrin. that's right oh Devrin's hey Devrin, thanks um huh. can we show the book cover on the Facebook group at all? Or do you want to wait for that? No, you can show it. Okay. So we have the final book cover for the book. Um, the font for the, for the title is wrong, but oh, other than that, well, you can show the one without it. He, the one from Lindsay, okay. the publishers without. So I'm going to share that in the Facebook group this week. So if you're in the Facebook group, all you have to do is go to real rap with Reynolds at teacher talk. And there's no incentive for me on this either. I, I just want to say that. Cause I always feel like someone wants something. They'll be like, if you want to see it, then you have to like the post and then post it on this and do this other thing. Um, but you don't. So it's just go to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook. There's three questions you have to answer so we can let you in. It's really just a way so that we know that there's not like some kind of weirdo getting in there or some kind of business that's trying to sell you stuff. Like that's how we're trying to keep it pure. Answer those questions. We let you in right away. And then um, I'm going to share that on there this week. And then I'm doing the Teach Better Conference in Ohio coming up in Akron, Ohio. So if you're there in, in November, you can look that up easily too. It's on my Instagram all over the place. I'm going to be doing that as well. And then is that it? Hope everybody has a great night. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.